welcome to the Plant-Centered and Thriving Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Kitchens. I'm a plant-based registered dietitian and virtual nutrition mentor. I was raised on an Angus cattle farm, grew up with a lot of GI issues, and used the power of plant-based eating to promote healing. Here, you'll find inspiration, ideas, and encouragement for your own plant-based journey. I'm so thrilled you're here today. Let's get started. Welcome to the show. My name is Ashley. And I'm Katie. And today we have kind of a fun, unique show for you. I don't know if you saw the article that was published in the New York Times on January 19th, 2023. It was called 10 Nutrition Myths Experts Wish Would Die. Thanks to Brian, who literally sent that to me right when it came out. I was so appreciative because I was able to kind of read through what the myths were and to kind of see if I agreed with all of them, which I will say I agree with most of them. There is one in particular that I definitely disagree with, which we will get to. That's number five. So we're going to share them with you. And then we're going to talk about our opinions on them from more of like a nutritionist dietitian perspective, because because a lot of these professionals that were interviewed for these myths were from like the U.S. Department of Agriculture or some like political ties. So I feel like their opinions are maybe a little bit different than what a dietitian would say, especially a plant-based dietitian or maybe what like a physician would say. So we're going to go through those right now and we'll link the article below. So if you're curious to check it out yourself, you can do that. The first myth they mentioned was that fresh produce is always healthier than canned, frozen, or dried alternatives. So again, these are 10 nutrition myths experts wish would die. So these are like all myths. And I think this was actually a really great point. I completely agree that fresh produce is not always the healthiest slash best option. I'm going to put healthy around quotes because what's healthy or fits for one person doesn't necessarily fit for another person. So what the author says at the beginning is while there is a long-standing belief that, quote, fresh is best, there is research out there that suggests frozen, canned, and dried fruits and vegetables can provide just as much nutrition as fresh produce. And I think that's really important, especially because here in the U.S., we don't eat enough fruits and vegetables. So whatever method is going to give somebody a win when it comes to eating fruits and vegetables, that's again, a win. So whether it's canned, frozen, dried, or fresh, the fact that you're getting in fruits and vegetables is really, really beneficial. You can save money with buying frozen or canned. And so there's also a cost and an access piece here as well, which I think is really important. And they do touch on that a little bit. So this one, I agree with. I think it speaks to the perfectionistic attitude that the health and wellness industry can force upon us is that you know, if it's not organic, if it's not fresh, then it's not good. And that is just not the case. So if it means like someone's not going to eat fruits or vegetables, they're going to go for frozen pizza every night and fast food every other night. It's a no brainer. Like, obviously, we would want you to get those fruits and veggies in however you can. And I think the I think especially now with all of the preservation methods and stuff. We should do a podcast on that about like how the frozen industry actually does it, but it's yes. I think it's so much more modern now and like the article says the the nutrition differences are sometimes negligible. So, number 2 myth, all fat 
should be avoided. So how do we feel about that, Ashley? Boo. <laughs> yes, I completely agree. <laughs> Fat is one of those things that diet culture and a lot of professionals in the health and wellness industry try to push that, you know, fat is bad, low fat is good, try to avoid it as much as possible. But we know that fat is an important macronutrient and important in having a well-balanced diet. So we definitely disagree with that. You know, as plant-based eaters, we'll strive to get our fat from plant sources as opposed to animal sources or fried and processed foods. So we want those uh, fats to be from whole food plant-based as much as possible. Yes. Do you remember growing up? Because I think both of us grew up in this, the low fat era. I can't remember when that exactly was, but basically long, it, it lasted long. It felt like it lasted for forever. <laughs> yes. And so I don't know if you remember, there were a lot of low fat products that came out, you know, the, I don't necessarily say the government, but wh- whoever was trying to kind of shift the way we as Americans were eating and they're like, oh, well, let's make everything low fat. So of course, different manufacturers, companies jumped on board. They're making all these low fat chips and cookies and all these things. And what ends up happening was because here, you know, the US, they were concerned about us continuing to gain weight. Well, guess what? With this low fat craze, we end up gaining even more weight. So it did not help whatsoever. <laughs> and we end up eating a lot of these processed foods that were quote low fat, but it, so it was a, a complete mess a complete failure really on their part. And so I think it it just reiterates that all fat should not be avoided. In fact, fat is incredibly important for like our hormones, our cell function, for absorbing certain nutrients like vitamin D, a fat soluble vitamin. Fat is incredibly vital to our nutrition. And like Katie said, we do want to focus on getting our fat sources more from plant sources. And part of that reason is, is because when you're getting them from animal-based sources, oftentimes it comes with a lot of saturated fat and cholesterol, which we know is detrimental for our health, especially for our sweet little heart that keeps beating us ever keeps beating us, keeps us <laughs> going every day. <laughs> yeah. So fat is not the bad guy. <laughs> Number three, this myth that they said was that calorie intake is the most important factor for long-term weight gain. So that was a, a total myth. So calorie intake is the most important factor for long-term weight gain. Not true. Actually, in fact, research does not suggest that, quote, eating more calories will cause sustained weight gain. And there's more emphasis on more of like the types of foods that we're eating. So Katie and I, we talk a lot about fiber. We talk a lot about eating plant-based foods, which are rich in anti-inflammatory properties, rich in micronutrients and water, polyphenols, all these great things that are really beneficial for our health. I definitely agree with this. I think the importance here is that quality does matter. Like how you eat to some extent does matter. And that's over time. That's not just in one meal. That's not one snack. And this in general is just incredibly complex. Like, I don't know if you've heard the saying calories in, calories out when it comes to weight loss. I mean, it's just, it's wrong. It's antiquated and it's wrong. We as humans are not a closed system, which that's where the law of thermodynamics, if I understand that correctly, if I don't, please let me know on social media. But from what I understand, I mean, that is a closed system, the calories in, calories out. We are not a closed system. We are humans. There are a lot of variables and it's so much more complex than that. So number four, individuals with type two diabetes should avoid fruit. Man, this is really embedded in the psyche of Americans. I don't know what it is or when it started, but man, it is still holding on strong. Um, So we definitely disagree with that. And, you know, we like to reiterate 
variety of fruits. It comes with vitamins and minerals and fiber. And yes, it comes with sugar, but, and we're going to link this in the show notes. If you guys want to hear from Kim, our friend who specializes in diabetes, she's another registered dietitian. She goes on a whole tangent about, (laughs) and we just think it's a bunch of Hooey. Definitely. It's the opposite. We encourage people who are diabetic to have a plant-based diet rich in a variety of fruits and vegetables in order to reverse their type two diabetes. So we use those fruits as medicine, as a prescription, not a food that they need to avoid. It's true. Yeah, because fruit comes with fiber, it comes with vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, water, all these great things. And studies have shown that someone with type 2 diabetes who eats fresh whole fruits actually can help control their blood sugars. And if you want to learn more about that, I'll definitely let Kim take over in the show notes uh, because she really (laughs) does have a great podcast where she talks about this. So we agree that this myth should die, that people with type 2 diabetes should avoid fruit. Die. All right. Number five, which is the one that, well, I'll, I'll read it first and then I'll, I'll let you form your own opinion this before very, I just, this is very suspicious. <laughs> it is suspicious. So the myth is that plant-based milks are healthier than dairy milk. So this, they're saying this is a myth. And so what they're saying, I don't know if they're necessarily saying that dairy is healthier, but they're basically saying that plant milks are not healthier quote healthier because we know we know how I feel about the word healthy are not healthier than dairy milk. And I actually looked up the person that they use as a resource for this who is Kathleen Ann Merrigan. I'm not sure if I pronounced that right, but she's an American politician and she served as the United States Deputy Secretary of Agriculture um like way back when. And so it's kind of interesting that they used her as a resource for this, especially with her ties to politics, the government agriculture, all those great things. Anyways, (laughs) a little sus. And so she basically is saying it's just not true. Basically saying that dairy milk is healthier. And the reason she's saying that is because dairy milk has protein in it. And when you look at plant-based milks, which they, what they use are oat milk, almond milk, and rice milk and hemp milk, that they basically mention those in this article. Yes, there is very little protein in those, but you're leaving out soy milk, you're leaving out flax milk, you're leaving out milks that have that protein. And they're also saying that plant milks have a lot more ingredients or additives to them that can quote, contribute to poor health, which makes me, I can't talk right now, (laughs) getting a little worked up. So plant-based milk, the big difference here is plant-based milk doesn't contain growth hormones. Plant-based milk doesn't contain antibiotic residue. Dairy has added ingredients too. So when we think about dairy milk, most people aren't just drinking straight up white cow's milk. There's chocolate milk, there's strawberry milk. There are so many forms of milk, especially in our our school system. And so I think we kind of missed the mark there. Also, dairy consumption is associated with higher rates of prostate cancer. It is rich in saturated fat. Dairy, hands down, is the number one source of saturated fat in the American diet. It, like I said, it's full of hormones because if you think about it, this cow is 
producing milk in an effort. It doesn't go to her baby calf because it's going to us, but in an effort to grow her baby calf from what, like a hundred pounds to over a thousand pounds in like a year. And so there is a ton of hormones in cow's milk. And I think we kind of forget about that sometimes. Also, and I promise this rant won't be too long, but also most people in the world, most, so around 70% of people cannot tolerate or digest cow's milk. So the fact that we're continuing to recommend it over and over and over again, to me, does not make any sense. Sometimes I wish we were a bit more forward thinking like Canada when it came to our food guide, because Canada has straight up removed it, removed dairy as a food group from their guidelines, which I think is fantastic. Again, because so many people cannot tolerate it. And again, it's tied to things like prostate cancer. And Katie, it is the most common allergen in children, that and peanuts, two of the most common allergens in children. And so it just, it really frustrates me that we're continuing to push it. We're continuing to deem it as this quote, healthy source of nutrition when so many people can't tolerate it. And when it also has a lot of, a, a lot of negative health effects as well. It really makes you think where you have a product in America and you know, I know it's, you know, I know you can get milk anywhere, but we're just talking from an American government standpoint, a product that 70% of people can't tolerate and it's the most popular allergen and they push this like crack, you know? And then, so number six is a myth about white potatoes being unhealthy, where that catches on, where people are demonizing carbs and, you know, the businesses get behind that and demonize this innocent little potato that is delicious that no one has a problem with versus this other thing that has a million problems when they are just pushing, 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 pushing. So it's just, man, it's really distorted, a really distorted food system we have. If you don't, if you don't laugh, you'll cry. <laughs> yeah. And Katie, so I just looked this up because I wanted to share this. The global dairy market was valued at $827.4 billion in 2022. And it's projected to grow, which is kind of shocking considering the direction that we're headed with everyone loving plant-based milks. But again, it's an incredibly wealthy, I mean, I shouldn't say that. So because obviously the farmers are underpaid and the environmental impact and the animal rights impact of consuming cow's milk is atrocious. Is that the right, is that a right word? Atrocious. It's atrocious. <laughs> it's also <laughs> atrocious. It's atrocious. <laughs> but I mean, the people at the top there, there's a lot of money and there's a lot of wealth there. So there's a lot of, with, with that comes a lot of power. Uh, so just, and you know, that's about. why they had, you know, that's why they had that former secretary of agriculture. Mm -hmm. give, the, give the comment. Yeah. That is such a conflict of interest. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. Um, let's move on before we get too worked up. I know. Uh, we're have to like meditate after this one. So again, white potatoes are unhealthy. So this is definitely one of those myths that we want to die. So it's kind of similar to the like low fat craze. We got into the low carb phase and the potato was like the poster child uh, for, for low carb. So think about potatoes and how many benefits that it comes with. So they contain vitamin C, potassium, fiber, 
other nutrients, especially when you leave that delicious skin on there. But for whatever reason, you know, we love to demonize foods. We love to have someone to blame for, (laughs) you know, America's expanding waistlines. We want to blame it on, you know, we want to have a scapegoat. And just like fat, carbs are an important macronutrient that allows us to function and thrive the best we can. And you know, you know how we Americans do low carb. So that means no carb is even better. So never, never again, just take the carbs out of the picture completely. And I have clients like that where they have not had a carb in years, which is just mind boggling. And I'm not sure where, where it started or uh, how it started, but there is no good and bad foods. Think about, you know, Know, your preparation methods as well. Like I love, uh, you know, potatoes in our air fryer. So delicious. Roast them, bake them, boil them. I always say I've never met a potato. I didn't like. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. You know, it's funny you say that uh, the variety piece, I think I, and correct me if I'm wrong, if anyone knows this, but I think potatoes are the only food that you can eat just that one of and be okay. There's some, there's some guy out there who did it. He did it for like a year. Oh yes, if I yes, remember yes, correctly. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, I don't think it's, I don't think it's sustainable. <laughs> and obviously I think you'd get incredibly bored, but it's pretty, I mean, a potato is so nutrient dense more so than we give it credit for. There's a lot of benefits to it. So I'm definitely team potato all the way. Number seven, this myth is young children should not consume peanut products. And this is definitely something I'm sure a lot of, especially dietitians who specialize in pediatrics, there was, there used to be this advice that new parents should refrain from feeding their kids common allergenic foods like peanuts, like eggs, and like within the first few years of life, but that has completely change. So now allergy experts are actually recommending to introduce peanut products to their children early on. And in the article, they actually mentioned, Katie, I thought this was really interesting. They even recommend mixing two teaspoons of smooth peanut butter with water, breast milk, or formula two to three times each week. They don't say exactly when to do that. So I'm sure there's like more guidelines with that, but I was like, oh, wow, interesting. Yeah, I thought it was pretty wild. And they also go on to say that it's important to feed your baby a diverse diet, obviously, in their first year of life to help promote the prevention of food allergies. So I thought that was interesting. And it just highlights, this will actually tie into number 10, which I won't mention quite yet, but it ties into number 10 really nicely. So number eight, us as veggie eaters, we are very familiar with this. Where are you going to get your protein? And even to build on that, there's this myth that they kind of accept that plants have protein, but then they insist that the plant-based proteins are somehow incomplete and inferior to animal-based protein. So, you know, this article in particular has uh, a nutrition scientist and professor of medicine uh, at Stanford who confirms that all plant-based foods contain all 20 amino acids, including the nine essential amino acids. So this one is So I want to repeat what Katie just said so that everyone can hone that into their brains. Because I think especially when you're new to plant-based eating, obviously it's a common question, where do you get your protein? And no one's really concerned about your protein intake until you tell them you're vegan or plant-based. So I, to highlight again, what Katie said, all plant-based foods contain all 20 amino acids. 
including all of the nine essential amino acids. So plant-based proteins, plant-based foods are not incomplete proteins. They contain everything. And Dr. Gregor even talks about this a lot in his videos on nutritionfacts.org. We just did a post, an Instagram post about kind of fiber versus protein and actually reiterated that 95% of Americans get not just the protein that they need, but sometimes twice as much as they need. So if you are out there and you are letting the protein factor prevent you from transitioning, don't let it because it is false. Number nine, the myth is soy-based foods increase breast cancer. And I know all of y'all know this because you're here. We know that that is definitely far from the truth. In fact, research is very clear that incorporating soy foods into your diet can actually be very beneficial and protective against breast cancer. Even if you've already had breast cancer, it can be beneficial and protective. In the article, they go on to talk about how, and Hugh says this, soy foods are also a powerhouse of beneficial nutrients related to reduced heart disease risk, such as high quality protein protein, fiber, vitamins, and minerals. So a lot of benefits come from consuming soy-based foods. If you can tolerate soy, if you're not allergic to soy, go ahead and include that tofu, tempeh, edamame, soy milk into your diet. Yeah. And number 10, nutrition guidance changes a lot. So we are busting that myth. So the first dietary recommendations for prevention of obesity, type 2 diabetes, heart disease, and the like advised balancing calories and minimizing foods high in saturated fat, salt, and sugar way back in the 1950s. So the current guidelines really urge the same. If everybody remembers when Michael Pollan came out with the omnivores dilemma, he gives really simple advice, eat food, not too much, and make sure it's mostly plants. Uh, So no food rules, just keep it nice and easy. Eat food, not too much of it, mostly plants. And I think that's sort of the basis of our nutrition guidance. I partially agree with this myth and I partially don't. I think the baseline foundation is about the same, but we hear, oh, eggs are quote good for you, or they're quote bad for you, or you, you know, should drink cow's milk or you shouldn't drink cow's milk. And so I think some of these, these particular foods in general can get a little, there's a lot of nuance around them where it just, it can be really confusing. And the consumer's like, well, now what I do, you said I should eat low fat in the nineties and now I'm not supposed to. So It can be a little frustrating, I know, as a consumer, but like Katie said, the foundation of our nutrition guidance is really about the same. It's like these fad diets, it's social media, it's like listening to all the noise that's out there that can be really, really confusing. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. We're going to include the New York Times article in the show notes in case you're curious to read more. I know there's also a lot of opinions circulating online about these myths that they just put out. So let us know if you found this interesting on social media, if you want to tag us in anything. We always appreciate seeing you online and learning more about what you have to say too. We will catch you on the next episode. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Plant-Centered and Thriving Podcast today. If you found this episode inspiring, please share it with a friend or post it on social media and tag me so I can personally say thank you. Until next time, keep thriving.